welcome. My name is Mason, and this is Mace on Movies. And today we are kicking off the series My Life in Movies, where I revisit the biggest movies of each month since October 1988, which is when I was born. And in October 1988, as I came screaming into this world, a whole bunch of fictional people went screaming out of it in Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Now, the Halloween franchise is not a horror franchise that I explored earlier in my life. It's one that I was familiar with, but because it started before I was born, and its sequels came out when I was too young to watch them, it just became a big gap in my viewing history. My high school and college years were, instead, filled mainly with the Saw and Final Destination franchises, as well as reboots of the classics, including Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Amityville Horror, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Ring, The Grudge, and of course, Rob Zombie's take on Halloween. So I, it wasn't until a few months ago that I actually sat down and watched the original Halloween for the first time. And I could see what all the hype was about. Although its age does show at times, it was still a very satisfying thriller with great music and some very interesting filmmaking techniques, such as that really cool through the mask POV shot. Jamie Lee Curtis is fantastic in it. And we get the iconic Michael Myers with his quietly terrifying, threatening and violent presence. So when I decided to do this series and saw Halloween 4 pop up, I was excited to go back and explore more of this franchise. In fact, to prepare for this podcast, I watched Halloween 2, 3, and 4 back-to-back in one sitting, which was quite the experience. And for this episode, I'll give my thoughts on each of those films, having seen them now for the very first time in order, starting with Halloween 2. Halloween 2 picks up right where Halloween left off, with Laurie being rushed to the hospital and Michael Myers having been shot several times and fallen from the second floor, has now disappeared from the ground. We don't know where he's went, he's run off, and so the doctor and the sheriff are trying to track him down uh, while Laurie has been rushed to the hospital uh, and we get introduced to some of the hospital staff and paramedics there. Uh, And the paramedics are very creepy, kind of pervy. And, you know, in the first original Halloween movie, the people that are involved that are being tracked down and hunted and killed by Michael Myers, you kind of root for them, like you want them to survive. And as we start Halloween 2, I just feel like we don't really have that same feeling about most of the characters involved. Like we kind of want to see them go because they just don't seem like great people. So that was one of the early issues right off the bat. The second issue I had right off the bat was Whereas the music in the first one was really cool, uh, it worked so well, we have these really strange comedic cues uh, happening with the music uh, in Halloween 2 as Michael Myers bounces up and, and stabs someone. You just get this weird, like, springy sound cue, and it's like, this isn't scary. Like, this is, this is kind of clowny. It's cartoonish. And it really kind of took me out uh, of the movie very early on. And so it was, it was pretty quickly into this movie that I realized this was not going to live up uh, the way that Halloween, the original, did. Uh, so I was very concerned. And throughout the movie, most of those concerns seem to be well-founded. Uh, and I think the biggest tragedy is that Lori is actually, you know, she's in her hospital bed, kind of off to the side for most of the movie. 
And as the protagonist of the first movie, that as the final girl surviving it, you really want to spend more time with her because it really is kind of her story and that that relationship, if you can call it, between her and Michael Myers, that is the dynamic uh, that we should be focusing on in this film. But instead, we just get a lot of extra people that are really just there to be killed. And overall, it's just a less interesting movie, far more generic than the first one was. Uh, so I, I just wasn't super impressed by it. Um, and I was looking at some of the reviews for it just to see if it was just me or if other people felt the same way. Uh, and it seems like uh, looking at Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting around 30-something percent. Uh, so clearly this was not well-received uh, in any way. So just a couple reviews being highlighted here. Uh, we've got Aha Romano from Vox uh, saying, As films go, Halloween 2 isn't very good. Yeah, that, that about sums it up. Uh, Mike Emery from the Austin Chronicle saying it's a bad sequel to a good movie, which is true. And looking at Variety, uh, the Variety staff is, is tagged here. They say this uninspired version amounts to lukewarm, sloppy seconds in comparison to the original film that made director John Carpenter a hot property. And of course, this second film did have a different director. John Carpenter was on as a producer. And I think that really makes all the difference. You know, I think what made the first Halloween movie so special and so uh, original was the direction by John Carpenter. And with him being removed from it, no longer directing it, uh, you just you just feel it all the way through the movie. Um, so as the movie progresses, uh, Michael Myers, he's going through the hospital, hunting everyone down. Spoiler alert, lots of people die. And we get this final showdown once again between Laurie uh, and Dr. Loomis and Michael Myers, where it appears uh, that Dr. Loomis uh, sacrifices himself, causing an explosion that looks like it kills both him and Michael Myers. Um, and we'll see that that may not have been the case when we get to Halloween 4, uh, and then Laurie surviving once again as well. But in this movie, we also get the seeds planted uh, where Laurie is having these visions of blood dripping, and she, uh, we discover that uh, she is the sister of Michael Myers. Now, this is something that has been retconned when we get to the uh, Halloween movie that was released a couple years ago. We see that they've gone back saying this is the true sequel to Halloween 2. Uh, but the, the thing about Laurie being Michael's sister, uh, that was something that was just a rumor. It's made up. We're not going to continue with that. So really, you know, one of the most interesting things about Halloween 2 was that report at the end where they're saying uh, he had a sister, it's Laurie. And it's like, oh, well, that's really interesting. But that's been removed. So it doesn't really matter anymore. Um, so the one thing that I thought was really interesting about Halloween 2 uh, is no longer relevant. And yeah, so overall, overall uh, Halloween 2, not super satisfying, not a great sequel. And, uh, but it really, uh, at least it feels like a sequel to Halloween, which is something that we cannot say for Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Now, I have to admit that I didn't do any research before sitting down to watch these movies, so what I didn't know about Halloween 3 was that it was intended by the producers, including John Carpenter, 
to set up kind of an anthology series with the Halloween films uh, that was going to deviate from being just about the story of Michael Myers to include different kinds of Halloween stories. So when I sat down to watch Halloween 3, I was, you know, 15, 20 minutes in and I just kept thinking to myself, okay, when, uh, when is Michael Myers showing up and what in the world is happening? Like, I don't understand. We're in some Irish village. There's something about Stonehenge. There's these weird masks and these, there's like lasers melting people's faces and this does not seem like a sequel to Halloween in any way. So I was very perplexed when I was watching Halloween 3, as I'm sure many other people were when they were watching this when it was released back in 1982. And uh, that was probably one of the big criticisms against Halloween 3, is that people... People come to the Halloween movies because they want to see Michael Myers. So although I guess I could applaud them for trying to go in a different direction and expand uh, what these Halloween movies are with an anthology approach, um, it seems like it didn't really work for most of the people. And, uh, you know, when it started, I was thinking, hey, this is this is interesting. It has this cool 80s vibe. The music's very 80s. It's got this VHS intro. And I can applaud the movie because they really went for it, but it really is just a bizarre movie. And I think I would put it in the so bad it's good category. Like it is kind of enjoyable to watch because it's so crazy and so over the top and so ridiculous. Like, you know, the the story, again, spoilers, is really like Stonehenge powers creating these little coins that are attached to these Halloween masks that melt kids' heads into like snakes and bugs and creatures, basically just wiping out children with this weird Stonehenge magic. Like, I don't even know how to describe this movie because it's so weird. Um, And I guess that has a certain charm to it. And I'm sure many people uh, go back to watch it just for the craziness that it is. Uh, But like I said, it's very hard to describe. Um, I did enjoy it, but for a lot of it, I was wondering, you know, where's Michael Myers? I didn't know that there was no Michael Myers in this one. And so it was, it was definitely the most interesting part of the experience because it's such a deviation from Halloween 2. And the interesting thing is that I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes and critic-wise, uh, this is actually sitting at 41%, which is 9% higher than Halloween 2 got. And I don't know, I would not rate this higher than Halloween 2 because it's not a very good movie. Um, But I guess maybe uh, it was so entertaining uh, that the critics went with it. Uh, The critics consensus here on Rotten Tomatoes says it's it's laudable deviation from serious formula notwithstanding. Halloween 3 Season of the Witch offers paltry thrills and dubious plotting. Uh, Yes, that is true. The plotting is very dubious, uh, including an older man uh, sleeping with a much younger woman who only after they have had some relations, things to ask how old she is. Uh, And yeah, it's it's a very sketchy part of an overall uh, very strange movie. Uh, It doesn't age very well uh, in some of that uh, respect. But uh, the, the audience score of Halloween 2, this is the difference. The audience score of Halloween 2 was around 
So they actually viewed the second entry in this franchise more favorably than this one, which the audience score of Halloween 3 is 27%. So I'm not the only one that was completely baffled by it. Uh, but I'm going to look at some more of these critics' reviews because they can be fun. Uh, so looking at some of the top critics here on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, we've got Chris Stuckman. Hey, he's a uh, very popular on YouTube. I like to see what he thinks about movies. Uh, and his review here for ChrisStuckman.com says, Absolutely atrocious. I admire the fact that they did try to propel the story in a different direction, but the story they chose was insanely boring. Well, I would have to disagree with Chris there because I did not think it was boring. It was just very bizarre. Uh, Aha Romano, again, from Vox, uh, saying this movie is a dirty trick on all Halloween fans. Um, let's, let's try to see a, some of the positive reviews here. Uh, from Time Out, it says the end result is a bit of a mess, but hugely enjoyable and often thanks to Dean Cundy's camera work and John Carpenter's close supervision as producer as striking visually as its predecessors. Yes, it was uh, visually interesting. You got to say that. But here we go from Roger Ebert, another rotten review, saying this is one of those identikit movies assembled out of familiar parts from other better movies. I don't know if there is a better movie with this concept. But anyway... Um, yeah, I can't really summarize Halloween 3. It was very bizarre. It has nothing to do with any of the other Halloween movies because after this, uh, John Carpenter uh, abandoned this concept of an anthology series to get back to the story of Michael Myers. So all in all, a very interesting, very bizarre diversion from the main storyline of the Halloween movies. Uh, it was entertaining, um, but ultimately not relevant to the rest of the series. So moving on to Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, releasing in October 1988, which was several years after Halloween 3, showing that they really needed to work on some things uh, to bring this franchise back to the screen. And as I mentioned before, Halloween 3 was intended to kick off an anthology series, uh, but producer John Carpenter abandoned that idea. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, uh, Halloween 4 was supposed to be a ghost story, uh, another Halloween anthology story, uh, but due to the uh, upset audiences after Michael Myers was not in Halloween 3, they decided that they should go back to that main story and follow Michael Myers, naming Halloween 4 the return of Michael Myers, which is just great, great decision uh, to make sure that people understand, yes, after the mess that was three, including crazy Irish robots with Stonehenge powers. Yes, I forgot to mention, in Halloween 3, uh, the villains were using robots, Irish robots, uh, which is just check it off the list of crazy things uh, that were in Halloween 3. Uh, so now we've moved on from that insanity to return to the story of Michael Myers in Halloween 4. And for me, I found Halloween 4 to be, it was a relief that we got back to Michael Myers because he is the strength of the Halloween franchise. It's what people come for. But this story just felt like so much of a retread uh, of the first Halloween movie. 
it really just felt like the same thing with different characters. And so, I don't know, for me as a sequel, it felt very lazy. It felt very boring. It wasn't very scary. It does set up an interesting idea at the end, which I guess will carry into the sequels, uh, because I've read that four, five, and six are kind of their own trilogy, uh, setting up a story uh, with Michael Myers and his apparent niece, Jamie, uh, who is the daughter of Lori, and that gets to the uh, biggest mistake, I think, of Halloween 4, is that they killed Lori off-screen. So even though we're coming back to uh, the Michael Myers storyline, we're ignoring one of the biggest pieces of that storyline, which is the character of Lori. And I don't know, maybe Jamie Lee Curtis didn't want to come back for a sequel, and I guess you couldn't blame her. She's probably moved on in her career. Um, but killing Lori off screen and instead giving us her daughter, uh, who would be Michael Myers' niece, uh, just felt really strange. Like I was really sad to see that they made that decision. Uh, so for this movie, we've got Michael Myers, we've got Dr. Loomis returning, somehow still alive after the explosion, and Michael Myers is being transferred, uh, but he escapes, and he's hunting down his niece, Jamie, and that's basically the story of Halloween 4. And again, we get uh, Rachel, who is the foster sister of Jamie uh, and has to babysit her. And again, we get this babysitting storyline where Rachel has to babysit Jamie um, and Michael is on the loose, uh, just going through people, killing people on his way to get to Jamie And apparently, you know, in the first movie, he was out to get Laurie because that would have been his sister, which again has been retconned. Uh, And even with the movies rebooting, uh, the most recent Halloween movie uh, apparently is saying that Halloween 4 doesn't exist, 3 doesn't exist, 5 doesn't exist. Uh, So the most recent one is the true sequel uh, to Halloween 2, meaning none of this really matters, and Laurie is not the sister, and so why are we watching Halloween 4? I don't know. It's still a lot of fun. But yeah, this movie uh, just felt in many ways like a retread. It didn't have a lot original to offer. It was good to see Michael Myers back. It was great to have the music not be ridiculous anymore. And I think it was a step in the right direction, course-correcting the franchise, But ultimately, they just didn't do anything interesting with the movie. And there are some ridiculous moments where there's like a bunch of crazy uh, rednecks with guns who are thinking that they see Michael Myers because there's a figure in the bushes and they just open fire in the middle of a public park at a bush and kill some random person. And it's like, this movie... uh, even though it is a course correction, still has some very ridiculous moments to it. And yeah, overall, I think as I was getting to the end of it, uh, my thoughts were that this movie was not very scary. In fact, it was pretty boring, but it does end on something very interesting, which is as the uh, redneck army manages to shoot Michael Myers, and he falls into this pit, which collapses in upon itself. Apparently, 
like his spirit or something is transferred to Jamie uh, because at the end of the movie, we see Jamie holding a pair of scissors. She's killed someone. And we've got this creepy little girl in a clown costume with maybe the spirit of Michael Myers possessing her. And I thought that that was a great surprise, a great twist at the end to set up some sequels. But the rest of the movie just wasn't very interesting. And looking at Rotten Tomatoes again, I would say that most people agree with me. Uh, We're back down to a very low critic score at 29%, and the audience score being less generous uh, than it was with Halloween 2, sitting at 53%. Um, So yeah, overall, the critics' consensus here from Rotten Tomatoes on Halloween 4 is that Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, may bring the series' masked killer back into the fold, but it fails to offer the visceral scares and inventiveness of the original. Yes, wholeheartedly agree. There was not very much that was inventive or original or interesting about Halloween 4. So I haven't looked at any reviews or anything about Halloween 5 or 6 or however many there are. I really don't know. Um, But I will get into those later on in this My Life in Movie series. I hope that there will at least be some interesting ideas in the sequels And again, ultimately, none of it matters because they rebooted everything recently, but it is still fun to go on this journey. So uh, for kicks, let's look at some of these uh, critics' reviews for Halloween 4. Again, Chris Stuckman uh, with a negative review now uh, saying, you can tell that it felt very rushed and things were kind of cobbled together. Uh, to make this movie at the last second. I guess that goes into some production details. Maybe they rushed this thing together. Uh, I don't know. They had, you know, six years since the last one. So the fact that it got rushed, uh, that's pretty surprising. Uh, Let's see, what else have we got? Let's go back to Aha Romano from Vox uh, saying, I need to state for the record that Donald Pleasance is a truly great actor, but he also loved to chew the scenery and the middle period of the Halloween franchise gave him plenty to sink his teeth into. Yes, uh, he was definitely chewing some scenery. Uh, Some other people, uh, there are some positive reviews here. Um, TV Guide, we'll see how reliable that is. TV Guide says, uh, this is the best of the sequels to Carpenter's seminal slasher movie. Wow, if this is the best of the sequels, I'm really not looking forward Uh, to the ones that are coming up. Uh, Variety staff saying, uh, the fourth entry in the Halloween horror series is a no-frills, workmanlike picture. So there you go. Overall, uh, I think I would agree it was not a great sequel to what was a very original, very inventive, very clever Halloween movie Uh, We've just gotten a bunch of sequels that lack that originality, that lack that inventiveness, that lack anything really interesting to hold on to. So as I visited these movies for the first time, I guess I'm on the same page as the audience and critics who saw them a long time ago in saying that it just didn't live up to the original. So there you have it. That has been my journey into the Halloween franchise for this first episode of My Life in Movies. And next month, we will be moving on to November 1988 and the introduction of a little doll named Chucky with the Child's Play 
franchise kicking off. So this is another franchise where I have not seen a single one of the Chucky or Child's Play movies. So I'm very interested to hop in. It's something that when I was a kid, my parents would watch it, but it was you know, very scary, definitely not appropriate for children. So it was always one of those things where if I would walk into the room and they were watching it, they'd say, oh, you can't see this, time to go back out. So I've just never, uh, I've never come back. I haven't even seen the reboot that came out with Mark Hamill voicing Chucky. Uh, so it's going to be a very interesting journey, but don't worry, I'm not staying in the horror genre forever. In fact, we are going to take a sharp left turn in December of 1988 uh, with Twins, and then moving on to January 1989 with Rain Man. And uh, 1989 is going to be uh, quite the year for film. We've got uh, Back to the Future, we've got Indiana Jones, we've got 1989's Batman, we've got Lethal Weapon 2. So 1989 is going to be a crazy year once we get into that for this series. So I'm excited to keep moving through these different genres and different movies that maybe I've seen, maybe I'm discovering for them for the first time. And I hope that you will continue to join me on this journey uh, and have fun as we explore the world of film through the years, through my life. Uh, but thank you so much for joining me for this very first episode today. Thank you for listening. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed it, and I would love it if you would leave a comment, a rating, subscribe to the podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mace on Movies. I would love to interact with you. Uh, and until next time, stay safe, wear a mask, Take care and let's be kind to one another.